Well, hey, everybody, welcome to The Crossing today. Always good to have you here. I want to welcome all those who are joining us as well. This is a big day for our Crossing West Henderson location. They have moved into a brand new school today. So excited for that. And also want to welcome our microsites. Those who are watching online, The Crossing St. George. Can we give them all a hand? Always great to have you guys part of the Crossing family with us. Well, we're in week three of our series that we're calling Killing What is Killing You. And in this series, we are getting really honest about our emotions because what we tend to do is we tend to deny them, we make excuses for them, that we try to avoid them, and when we do that, we empower them. We give them power over us, and it can kill God's work in us. And our theme verse for this series has come out of John chapter 10. The words of Jesus, he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, is that Satan has an agenda for your life. He has a plan for your life. It is to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they, that you may have life and have it to the full, that Jesus has come So you can have a different kind of life, a life that is full of joy and purpose and contentment. And Jesus says, I have a better way for you. And in this series, we started off talking about envy. Envy. Now, envy is interesting because envy is all about fairness. You know, and our questions are, God, why them and what about me? And what we learned is is that you cannot experience life to the full as long as you're trying to experience someone else's life. Jesus says, what about them? That doesn't matter. You follow me. I have a plan for your life. Last week, we talked about anger. And anger becomes a problem when we take it from one season of our life into the next, and it compounds on itself. And the way that we begin to release anger is through forgiveness. That forgiven people forgive people. That we forgive people the way that we've been forgiven. Well, today we're going to talk about an emotion that all of us deal with at one level or another. It's this right here. It is guilt. It is guilt. Now, there's a lot of different kinds of guilt. There's false guilt. False guilt is that guilt that you feel that has nothing to do with what you've done. That you feel guilty because of a set of circumstances that you cannot change. Now, we're not going to talk about that today. That would take an entire sermon series and a year's worth of therapy. So we're not going into that one today. We're talking about the guilt associated with something that you've done. This is something from your past. It may be last night, last month, or years ago. Then there's the guilt that you should feel, but you don't. That you did something that you are so ashamed of, and so you've created a narrative around it. Well, it wasn't just me. It was only one night. I was much younger, and I didn't know any better. I was only a teenager. I was only in my 20s. And so we create a narrative that allows us to distance ourselves from guilt. Well, let me show you the best image for guilt. And so to do that, I need to come over and I need to get this wagon right here. That this right here represents the best image of guilt 
And it's this, it is weight. It is weight that we experience guilt as a weight that throws us off balance. Now think of the things that we say when we get rid of guilt. We say, I just feel like I have released this weight. This weight has been lifted off of me. See, guilt becomes this weight that we carry with us everywhere we go, and it throws off us and all of our relationships off balance. And this is really heavy, so I'm going to set that down right there. (laughs) See, here's the problem with guilt. Guilt is something that you've done that you cannot undo. Guilt is something from your past that you have brought in to your presence. And God speaks a lot about guilt. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 16, that we're going to look at a story of a guy in the Bible with a past. And he started out his day like he did every day. He got up, got dressed, had his coffee, went to work, But what he didn't know is before this day was over, it was going to change everything in his life. He started out the day with the weight of his guilt. And he ended the day set free from his past. He literally started out the day dry. And he ended the day wet. Because before this day is over, he and his family would surrender their lives to Jesus and immediately be baptized. And I have been praying that that would happen for some of you today. I have been praying for weeks for this day. That maybe you got up like you do any other morning. You got ready, you got dressed, and you decided that you would come to church today. And before your day is over you are going to be baptized. That you came to church dry and you're going to go home wet. Having surrendered your life to Jesus, been baptized. Well, this guy in our story in Acts chapter 16, he is a prison warden. And it's about midnight in the city. And the only thing different about this night are the prisoners he has in his custody. It is Paul and Silas. And they are singing songs and praying, which seems odd. Because earlier in the day, they had been arrested and viciously beaten by the prison warden. He had them stripped of their clothes and beaten with rods. Their crime? Talking to people about Jesus. So now it's about midnight, Paul and Silas are praying and singing, and this prison warden is beginning to doze off. And we pick up the story right here. It says, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in an earthquake before. Some of you are from California. You're used to earthquakes. Maybe you felt the one that we had a few months ago where it just kind of shook everything. Or maybe you've been in a tornado or a hurricane. There's a lot of prayers that get prayed during those moments. There's a lot of spiritual decisions that get made. God, if you get me out of this, I promise I'll start going to church. Or maybe for you, it's when you see the red lights in your rearview mirror. And you begin to pray that prayer, God, if you'll get me out of this ticket, 
God, if you will make sure that I'm not pregnant, God, if you will help me not lose my job, I will serve you forever. This is that moment. It says that the jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. See, in those days, if you were in charge of the prison and prisoners escaped under your watch, you would face execution. But think about, not just that, think about the prisoners. Here is these guys he has viciously beaten with rods. And they would be out to get revenge. And so he thinks, if my superiors don't kill me, the prisoners will. And so he draws his sword about to end it all. Says, but Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Now, this is not what he expected to hear. See, he has to be thinking that anyone who would spare my life after what I have done to them Anyone who can sing songs after they have been beaten and tortured, there is something in their life that I don't have. And it says the jailer called for the lights. He rushed in and fell trembling. See, before the ground was trembling, and now it is him who is trembling. He fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved. See, this is that moment that changes everything. He takes his first step into letting go of his past. And if you are going to release the weight of your guilt, you have to take this first step right here. It's to admit your need. To admit your need. This right here is what brought many of you here to the crossing for the first time. See, what happens for most of us is we try to manage our guilt. We know that we can't undo the past, and so we try to hide it. We try to conceal it. You want to make sure that nobody knows what you've done, and then something happens in your life. For this prison warden, it was the earthquake, and he thinks he's about to pay with his life because the prisoners have escaped. See, I wonder what it will take for many of you to finally admit your need. What earthquake is going to have to hit your life? Are you going to have to wait until a tragedy hits, until your marriage falls apart, until a health crisis threatens your life? Are you going to have to wait until you've lost everything for you to finally deal with your alcohol problem? your prescription drug problem? Are you going to wait until you wound the people that you love the most? Unfortunately, the answer for some of you is yes. But here's the good news. God is waiting for you to admit your need, and this is where God does his best work in our lives. Someone said that the sin that we want to conceal the most is the sin that we need to reveal the most because there is no healing in hiding. Well, this guy in our story, he comes before Paul and Silas and he says, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. 
believe in the Lord Jesus. See, my guess is the majority of us here, you intellectually believe that God exists. Every now and then, I will run into an atheist. You know, studies say that, that really there is not a high percentage of atheists in America, but every once in a while, I'll run into an atheist. I read that one in five atheists actually pray. Like, go figure. I mean, like, who are you praying to if you don't believe in God? You know, it's like the person who was asked, are you truly an atheist? He said, honest to God. <laughs> Most of you who struggle with God, you don't struggle with whether God exists or not. Your struggle is with Christians. Your struggle is with churches. Your struggle is with pastors, and I understand that. But the call is not to place your trust in a church or a person, but to place your trust in Jesus. So place your trust in Jesus. This is the next step of finding freedom from your guilt, from your past. Here's my concern. Some of you believe that God exists. Some of you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You intellectually believe something about God. But God never said to believe that he exists. God, God's call for us is to believe in Jesus. God's call for us is to place our trust in Jesus. Something has to go from your head to your heart. Something has to go intellectually that you know about God to finally in your heart surrendering your life to Jesus, placing your trust in him. Well, the story goes on. It says, then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Now, can you imagine the irony of this moment? He's the one who's just inflicted the wounds a few hours before. And now he's the one who is washing these wounds. You see, when you encounter Jesus, it changes your life. And this is the third step to letting go of your past, is you change the direction in your life. You change the direction in your life. Maybe you remember the Bible story of Zacchaeus. You know, some of you remember that Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And Zacchaeus was this dishonest tax collector that cheated people. And he had an encounter with Jesus that changed everything because Jesus comes along. And Jesus says to Zacchaeus, this dishonest tax collector, he said, I'm going to go have dinner at your house today. Which meant that not only did Jesus love him, Jesus accepted him. And so at this dinner that they're having together, that Zacchaeus is having with, with Jesus, he says, if I've cheated anybody, I will pay them back four times the amount. So he, he didn't do that in order to be accepted and loved by God. He did that because he is accepted and loved by God. This is what the Bible calls repentance. Repentance, that you change the direction of your life. See, true repentance says, I once beat prisoners, now I lovingly care for their wounds. True repentance says, I once financially cheated people, now I pay them back with interest. 
True repentance says, I once didn't take my marriage vows seriously. Now I honor the one that I committed till death do us part. Repentance says, I once cheated in school. Now I get C's and D's. <laughs> that was funnier than the response you gave me right there. <laughs> True repentance requires a change in your life. See, it's not just feeling bad for what you've done. It's actually going in a new direction. Story goes on. It says, then immediately he and all of his household were baptized. Notice this word right here, immediately, immediately. He doesn't say, well, someday when it's convenient, I'll be baptized. Well, someday when I have something better to do, but as you notice, you know, all the doors in the prison are open, you know, but when it's when it's um, able, I'll do it. He doesn't say, when I've had a baptism class, I'll be baptized. It's immediately. It's, it's the middle of the night. And he is immediately baptized. And here's the fourth step to finding freedom from your past. It's to immediately express your faith through baptism. For this prison warden, it was a day that started like any other day, and it was a day that would end being the greatest day of his life. Not only him, but for his family. And let me just call a time out here for a second, and let me just speak to men. Guys, let me just speak into you for a second. I don't think that you have any idea of the power of your life when you become a follower of Jesus. The impact that your life has when you will take a spiritual step, your entire family will follow that when you decide, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to make a difference with my life spiritually and take those next steps, it impacts everybody around you. For this prison warden, his entire family, they gave their life to Jesus. And here's how the story ends. It says the jailer brought them into his house, and he set a meal before them. Can you imagine this, this moment is there around the dinner table, he and his family having a meal with them. It says he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Notice the result. He is filled with joy because something happens in your life when you encounter Jesus. So here's the bottom line. The bottom line is with Jesus, my past will remind me it will not define me. My past will remind me of what Jesus has rescued me from, but it no longer defines me. I'm no longer defined by my past. The difference between guilt and shame is you feel guilt because of something you've done. You feel shame because of someone you are. It becomes your identity. And Jesus offers freedom from both. This guy in our story is no longer the prison warden with a past. He is now a new creation in Christ. He now has a new identity in Jesus. So where are you on this list? Maybe for some of you, you're right here. It's to admit your need, and that's what brought you to church because you finally decided, I have a need. My life is not working. I need to do something. For some of you, it's, it's to place your trust in Jesus. 
that this is where you are. It's going from your head that you always known things about God to putting in your heart that you're surrendering your life to Jesus. For some of you, it's right here. It's time to change the direction of your life. It's time to make some changes. And for some of you, it's this, to immediately express your faith through baptism, that you're ready to be baptized. See, some of you, you've thought about baptism. You've always told yourself, you know, someday I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that someday. I just believe that for many of you, today is that day. Because we come from so many different backgrounds, I want to spend just a few minutes and answer some common questions that people have about baptism. Here's this first one right here. Why be baptized? Why be baptized? I could give you a lot of reasons why you should be baptized, but let me tell you the only reason that really matters is because the one who bled and died on a cross for you, the one who gave his life to release you of your guilt and your shame, he asked you to be baptized. After the resurrection, Jesus said that the first thing that we do when we become a follower of Jesus is that we're baptized. Because baptism represents the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. It represents this new life. And let me just push on you here for just a minute. Because I don't understand. I don't understand anyone saying, I want Jesus to take my guilt and my shame, but I don't want to do the very first thing he asked me to do. I don't get that. Because I'm a pastor, I've had the unique opportunity to perform the wedding ceremonies for both my son and my daughter when they got married. Um, Lee Code is going to be performing the marriage for his daughter's wedding here in a couple months as well. And this last summer when my daughter got married, I walked her down the aisle, I gave her away, and then I turned around and I did the wedding ceremony. And it was all I could do just to not cry through the whole thing. Well, there's been a lot of significant moments in my kids' relationships. There was their first date. There was the moment that they fell in love, the time that they committed themselves to each other, that they were engaged. But the wedding day is the day that they celebrate because this is the day they made some till death do us part promises. They promised to leave their old life and merge their lives together with their new husband or wife. See, baptism is like the wedding ceremony for a believer. That some of you, you've had some significant spiritual moments in the past. You've had these significant moments that go years back. But it's this moment that we say, baptism is this moment that we say, I'm in. Till death do us part. My identity is now in Christ. It's now in Christ. Some of you are thinking, I don't know if I want to be baptized because I don't know if I want to become a member of this church. That's fair. Because we don't know if we want you to become a member of this church. <laughs> but we're not inviting you to be baptized into a church today. We're inviting you to be baptized into Jesus. Baptized into Jesus. Here's another question I get is when am I ready to be baptized? When am I ready? See, some of you were baptized as babies, and you wonder, 
Should I be baptized again? Others of you recently became followers of Jesus, and you wonder, how much do I need to know before I get baptized? Well, here's the simple pattern that you find over and over and over again in the Bible. Think about this. The prison warden first believed in Jesus, and then immediately he was baptized that same night. In every instance in the Bible, when someone puts their faith and trust in Jesus, they were immediately baptized every single time. Now, this is why we don't baptize babies or young children. We dedicate them in our dedication services because our understanding is that baptism comes after you place your trust in Jesus. And so maybe you're a child in here right now that if you are fifth grade and under, what we ask for you is that you go through our Kids Crossing baptism class with your parents because we want to help you fully understand this significant commitment that you're making. I was talking to a lady a while back, and she said to me, she said, Shane, as soon as I get my life together, I'm going to be baptized. And I just looked at her, I go, then you're never going to be baptized. It's never going to happen. You're never going to get your life together. Because the Bible tells us that when we repent and are baptized, we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive the Spirit of Jesus into us, and He helps us birth change into our lives. If you could fix yourself, you wouldn't need Jesus. See, I've been praying for weeks that many of you would be baptized today. That many of you would. And you say, well, I didn't come prepared. Well, we prepared everything for you. We've got shorts for you to change into. We have shirts that you get to keep. We have more towels than you could use in a week. We have places for you to change your clothes. You say, well, what about my kids? Well, what should I do with them? Our kids people said, just leave them all week long. We'll take care of them all week long. <laughs> Actually, I want you to go get your kids so they can see you make this decision for Christ. And so I'm going to give you a chance to respond in just a minute. And here's what I want to ask you to do. That in front of you is a card that says, I have decided. I want to ask that everybody take that card out. Would you just grab that card? Now, some of you are looking at me, so just play along with me. Would you just please just grab that card? I want you to hold on to it. Because some of you are ready to surrender your life to Jesus. You are saying, I have decided to finally follow Jesus. Today is the day to release your guilt and your shame. For others of you, who already are followers of Jesus, I want you to hold that card and I just want you to use it to pray for people right now who are right at the edge of a decision. They are ready to give their life to Jesus. And I'm going to come back in just a minute and I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus. Before the Apostle Paul became a follower of Jesus, he had tortured and killed Christians. So you can imagine the guilt and the shame that he felt about his life. Guilt and shame that 
beyond probably anything we can imagine. And the guy who helped lead him to Jesus was a guy by the name of Ananias. And here's what Ananias said to him. He said, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. To wash your sins away. See, this is why God gives us the symbol of baptism. Is baptism is the symbol of washing away all of your guilt, washing away all of your shame, washing away all of your sins, and then living this brand new life in Jesus. He said, wash your sins away, calling on his name, that now your new identity becomes in Christ. It's in Christ. And so I want to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus today. And so here's what we're going to do. In a moment, I'm going to count to three. And I'm going to ask that anyone who is surrendering their life to Jesus and making the decision to be baptized to stand. Now, I know that this is a scary moment. And I know it's going to take courage. But let me tell you the reason that, that I'm doing this. Is I want this moment to be cemented into your mind forever. I want you to remember this moment where God spoke into your life and you responded. You said, I'm in. I'm ready. I'm giving my life to Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to stand. I won't ask you to do anything else. I'm just going to pray for you. The rest of us, we're going to cheer. And we're going to celebrate what God has done. And so on the count of three, I want you to stand. So here we go. One, this is your moment to let go your guilt and your shame. Two, this is the day to say yes to Jesus. And three, we already have people standing. Are you ready to stand? I love it. Awesome, awesome. Very cool. Oh, my gosh. This is so great. Congratulations. Congratulations. Are there others? Congratulations. Are there others? It's not too late. Very cool. I love it. We've already had 23 people baptized today. It's amazing. Is there anybody else? Fantastic. I want you just to stay standing and let me pray over you. God, thank you for this moment. God, thank you for these decisions for Jesus. God, these lives that are changed, the families that will be changed for generations to come. God, we celebrate you. And God, for maybe those who didn't have the courage to stand, but they're standing in their heart, they've made a decision for you. God, I pray that you would meet every single person right where they are, right at their place of need. God, we thank you for new life in Christ. We thank you for the opportunity to release the weight, to get rid of the guilt. Thank you for what Jesus has done for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So for those of you who are standing, here's what I want to give you the opportunity to do is to go ahead with your families and to make your way out there so you don't get caught up in the crowds. And so if you're standing, if you stood up, if you want to be baptized, just go ahead and start making your way out there. And that way you can beat the crowd. For the rest of us, 
we can go out and celebrate with them out there. Thank you for being here. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Bye-bye.